You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the latest episode of our Women of Influence podcast. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Columbus Business First's Assistant Managing Editor. Today, you'll hear my conversation with Vicki Thompson-Sandy, who leads the Buckeye Ranch. It's been a busy couple of years for Vicki, who took over the nonprofit in 2019, just in time for it to get started on a brand new headquarters and for the arrival of a global pandemic. We talked through how she navigated the complications of the past 18 months, as well as what inspired her passion to work with children, and what's next for the Buckeye Ranch that celebrates its 60th anniversary. I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, well, Vicki, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Well, before we get started, I, as I was prepping, I uh, was looking at your LinkedIn and your bio, and I saw that you went to Western Michigan, where my aunt actually works. So uh, I know Kalamazoo well. <laughs> yeah, go Broncos. Yeah, they oh they had that that the row the boat thing was a big thing a couple years ago uh, with their football team. I I recall seeing a lot of Facebook posts. Um, so are you from Michigan originally? Then I am. I'm a West Michigan. A person grew up north of Grand Rapids and then and ended up over in Metro Detroit for most of the time I lived there. Got it. And it was the Buckeye Ranch position that brought you to Ohio? It was. It was. It. Yeah. Well, for, well, first, actually, I wanted to take a step back that. Before that, what led you into this line of work, kind of the, uh, the, the foster care, child care, nonprofit space? Tell me a little bit about that interest for you. Sure. So I grew up in a family. There were six of us, six siblings and my uh, two parents. And uh, so family was always very important to me. Um, I have four older siblings. I'm the fifth, but there was like a seven or eight year gap in there. So I had these three older brothers who were very engaging, very fun, got in lots of trouble and, uh, you know, within our family. And so I just had this real passion for working with youth um, and specifically seeing them as teenagers, specifically teenagers. And so it, it just led me on a career of really wanting to work with children and families. And so that's where I started out. I started out actually wanting to work with juveniles in uh, criminal justice. So I have a criminal justice degree and then began that work and recognized, right, that a youth is not a youth in a vacuum, right, mm -hmm. that the family comes around. And so moved more into 
work with families in the child welfare system um, and still within the court system. Got it. And then what ultimately attracted you to Buckeye Ranch? I was working at a very large nonprofit organization, had been in nonprofit all of my career. And it was a multi-service organization with many locations. So we were serving refugees, seniors, persons with disabilities. We had a housing line, child welfare line. And it's a, it was a great organization, uh, but I was really ready to go back to my roots, which really is children and families. Um, and so I had just begun a journey of saying, is there a place where I could make great impact focusing on uh, what's near and dear to me, which is kids and their families. So here mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. And you joined in May of 2019, correct? I did. And then, so you had just a little less than a year under your belt before uh, the pandemic hit. So how did the pandemic impact what y'all do and in, in, on a organizational level and then in the work that you're doing? Sure. So I was uh, finishing up uh, right my first year here in Ohio when the pandemic hit in March. There was a lot going on when I came on board. Uh, The Buckeye Ranch had purchased a new building in Whitehall, and uh, we were finishing the renovations of that. Of course, we we had everything in packing boxes, and the movers were moving us the week that we got the executive order to close everything down. And so ending the first year was really uh, quite challenging. But clearly the thing that I love about the Buckeye Ranch is the people who serve here. And I would say that we were able to respond to the pandemic because we have such dedicated team members. And so it clearly impacted us. We we have two schools, the two Bonner Academy schools. And so with the pandemic going virtual, we had to completely pivot those schools are designed for children who are struggling with mental health um, issues. And so they went home and we were taking services to them and their families. Um, So that clearly impacted us. Uh, The majority of the people we serve, um, while we're known, I think, for our mental health treatment and residential on our campus in Grove City, uh, the majority of the people we serve are in the community in their own home. And so half of our workforce really pivoted to begin providing those same services via telehealth. Mm -hmm. So that was an amazing transformation for our organization as well. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges of doing that? If your constituents were all in situations where they had easy access, or was that also something that you had to help overcome to get them the services that you provide? Yeah, so um, it was challenging for the people we serve. Clearly, right, we were at the beginning at a time when uh, childcare was closed, schools were virtual. And so if a family had a device or a couple devices, their kids were probably needing to use those for their educational purposes, as well as mental health. And so we We're very fortunate to partner with a lot of generous corporate partners in Columbus and foundations. And we immediately went after funds to provide tablets with internet access to the people we were serving. And so our dedicated team members were delivering those, (laughs) Clawston, PPE, um, both our IT folks and our clinicians delivering those and helping people engage and get those set up. 
so that we could continue to serve them. You mentioned that you were just executing this move uh, to a new facility when the pandemic hit. What sort of impact did the pandemic have on that process and how you thought about this you know, new facility that you had? I, like you said, a lot of people were remote. Are you moved in now? Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So today, as we're talking, I'm sitting here in uh, the Michael and Page Crane Center in Whitehall in my office. It is a very large office space. The idea um, in March of 20 or prior to moving in in March of 20 is that we would combine multiple sites into one very large office space. And so you can imagine that we designed this with lots of gathering spaces and multiple open workspaces. And now we're uh, reconsidering <laughs> how this is going to work. Uh, so we have redesigned it a little bit to have much more smaller, intimate spaces for people to gather. Um, and we're slowly beginning to uh, come back into the office. You know, mm -hmm. there are some people who are here full time, uh, like our back office finance and IT, et cetera. But, um, but we have a lot of staff still working remotely from their home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had our company was looking at a post Labor Day return and it's going to be hybrid still sort of as people chose. Uh, but now they just announced uh, this week that that's going to be delayed because of the Delta variant stuff. So I've, I've still been going in about half the time, but who knows when we'll all be together again <laughs> for real. Yeah, you know, I think I think the reality of our work is in child welfare is that sometimes we need to be in the office because families uh, under court order need to come to a place where they can meet with their children that are in mm. foster care or in another placement and we can bring them back together. But the reality is of at least 50%, if not more of our work is done in the community, in families' homes. Mm -hmm. And so a hybrid for us really was how we functioned before. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're just all rethinking, you know, does hybrid mean that I have to have a permanent workspace here? right as well. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. well, more broadly, uh, what is your favorite part of your job? Mm, that's a great question. There's really quite a bit. I love, of course, having grown up in this work, I love to hear the impact of the work that our team members are doing and to see our youth thriving. We just had a young woman, Sierra, who uh, was valedictorian uh, at her high school. And here she is, a kid whose parents are both deceased. She's on her own, a young teenager. Our staff are, you know, helping support into her self-sufficiency of an adulthood. And she's just thriving. And I love to see, I think that's what makes me tick, to see the impact of our work and people being better off because the Buckeye Ranch came alongside them. Um, so that's probably my most favorite, but I, you know, I'm a systems person. There's a lot of levers that affect children and families, right? Policies that get decided, public funding that gets decided where that's going to go. Um, so I really love working within systems and trying to influence systems to really think about the impact they're going to have on kids and families and making mm -hmm. that positive for people. You know, that that's a whole career, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There, there's a lot to be done there. 
how do you, this is kind of a basic question about how the organization works, but how do kids and families get connected to y'all? Is it, um, you know, or you mentioned sort of court intervention or are you doing outreach in the community or people coming to you? What else does that look like? Yeah, it really happens in multiple ways. Uh, So some of our programs, children will come to our attention because they need placement for mental health treatment. And so we get, we work with about 42 of the counties across Ohio where children will come and stay with us either in foster care or they'll come um, on our residential mental health treatment campus and receive treatment. But we also have families uh, who voluntarily connect with us and reach out for services because their child needs um, support with mental health. And so we will uh, work with them and go into their home. We also work with the public schools. Our two Bonner Academies, our two day treatment schools, we partner with the schools and they refer kids who may be struggling academically because of their mental health Uh, concerns, behavioral health issues. And so those kids will be referred to us and we'll work with them to get them stabilized and then back into their public school. The flip side of the the question I just asked, what is the, what is your least favorite part of the job or the most challenging aspect of it? You know, I think it's, well, I love influencing systems, right? I think it's uh, managing the indirect consequences sometimes of system decisions, funding decisions. You know, clearly every governmental entity that we receive funding from or even private funding um, has to have eligibility criteria. Uh, what's hard is when someone presents to you that they need help, but they may not be quite eligible for funding, right? And so as an organization, it is maneuvering all of the funding that happens and trying to blend that in a way that um, it's not challenging for families to access services. I I would say that's the hardest part is Uh just making sure that you have enough diverse funding uh, to make sure that you can serve the people who need to be served. Mm -hmm. Well, and... I imagine that obviously your first year you were sort of executing this move and then you had the pandemic. Are there kind of goals or, you know, your five-year plan that you took on when you started that, uh, that you're excited about now getting back onto, or what, what are you most excited about right now working on next for the organization? When I came on board, we uh, worked on a strategic plan. So that was one of the things that the board asked me to do right away. Um, and We actually did a great job of engaging our team members and helping us understand what it is we needed to do. So I feel very good about our direction. 82% of our team members that work at the Buckeye Ranch engaged in a survey to tell us about what it is like to work at the Buckeye Ranch. Um, And so I feel good about that, that that they wanted to be engaged and we heard them. So, you know, workforce is our number one priority. We're an organization that serves, right, with our hands and our feet and our heart, and we need people to do that. Licensed clinicians, uh, direct care staff, uh, mental health professionals. And so that really is our number one priority, creating a culture at the Buckeye Ranch where people want to, you know, come and work and and meet the mission and make a difference for the people Mm -hmm. we serve. Mm -hmm. Some of the cool things that are happening is that we're looking at uh, what are the gaps in our community 
for services and where do families need support? Um, and I would say it's at two ends of the continuum. Uh, what I call upstream, our residential mental health treatment campus, where we serve about 250 kids every year. And th those are kids who are whose needs are so acute, are so great that they need to leave their family and community, come to us and get mental health treatment. There is this kid that has such high needs uh, that it is difficult for them to leave our mental health treatment and go back into the community without having a setback uh -huh. um, and or without having to maybe go to a, like a nationwide children's hospital and get higher end services. Uh, so we're working right now on a solution for those real acute kids. Uh, the kids that right now in Ohio are actually, uh, there's about 140 kids leaving Ohio for higher end mental health treatment. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. um, that we're trying to find solutions for here. So I'm excited about the conversations we're having there about um, creating a new modern facility um, for these high-end kids. Mm -hmm. then, then more downstream of what I would say, the prevention work, there's a lot of things going on in at the federal level um, and in the state of Ohio on creating more prevention services, right? We should be meeting kids when they're younger, when they're identifying indicators of needing some behavioral health in schools and in their community. And we should be providing prevention services when they're younger. Uh -huh. So they never have to come <laughs> to stay with us in our mental health treatment facility or fewer of them will. And so we're doing a lot of work in the schools um, a lot of work in our community-based, trying to grow that so that we can meet the needs of the community. So I'm excited about that part of our strategic plan as well. Okay. Sounds terrific. Talking just a little bit more about you, uh, mm -hmm. if you've had a really stressful day or week, uh, what do you do to unwind? Yeah, so I shared with you that I um, have two daughters. And most of the time, they're my stress release. You know, sometimes parenting is extremely stressful, but I would say uh, they're at a fun age where they're still okay talking to mom and hanging out with mom and dad. And so I, I enjoy that. I love to read. And I would love to say that I read um, very educational self-help books, but when I read, I just really need to just escape all of the intellectual stuff and just escape. So that's something you'll find me doing. Um, and I also, I do love... To golf, I would say oh. I'm not that great at it. Uh, <laughs> I can get by. And so uh, I enjoy golfing with my husband and with friends. Fun. What are you reading right now? I just finished an audio book. I don't even remember the name of it. That's embarrassing. It uh, wasn't that great. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, just, I just downloaded, Oprah has a new book about facing trauma. Oh. Have you heard of that? No. I just downloaded that and that might be my next. That um, feels more substantive though. I thought is. you were going to say like, I read all these like uh, thriller mysteries. I just read one yeah. called Verity, which I read in like two days. And I thought it was going to be like more literary fiction and which I usually read these like, like your Gillian Flynn style, you know? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. uh, and for whatever reason, I just didn't really know what this, um, book was about. And so I thought it was more literary. And then I was like three chapters and I was like, oh no, there's like a, 
a wife in a coma that might be faking the coma who's definitely gonna like stab the narrator or whatever at some point. What is it called? Verity? Verity, yeah. Uh, it was it was really good. I read it in like two days, but it was very much of that same ilk. So But um the book I ran does a lot of work with trauma. Uh-huh. Um, and really making sure that we understand trauma that kids experience and how that impacts their functioning in their brain and their family. And so Dr. Bruce Perry is very known in that space. And so uh, Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Perry just put out a book, What Happened to You? Uh-huh. Uh, so that's that's my new download for um, intellectual. But I just uh-huh. finished reading a book. I don't know, The Light We Lost. Um, oh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, so it it was okay. <laughs> well, that's fine. Uh, we all need we need to you know take a mental break sometimes. I feel that's like that's right. So, that's right. For sure. Um, well, the question I like to to wrap up with is kind of a big one, uh, but you can take it any direction you want. If you were talking to a, a young woman just now getting into the the nonprofit space, kind of the world you work in. What's the biggest piece of advice that you would give her uh, to to be successful and to to maybe follow in your footsteps? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, you know, I I think I would say you've got this. You know, I tell that to my daughters all the time. You've got this. There are whatever this is. There are women um, that in my life, I've had the privilege of seeing them balance careers with their family and do it amazingly. Um, Other people who have decided to balance all family and watch them do that amazingly. Um, And so I think women need to decide uh, for themselves, what is it that I want to do for me and the impact I want to have in this space and just go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are lots of role models to help whatever direction they want to go. It's very rewarding uh, to be in the nonprofit space and to be able to make an impact on the next generation if you're working with kids and families, you know, or just on the person you're serving. And so um, I would strongly encourage women to go into the nonprofit space. I enjoy that it offers lots of variety that I can use my uh, master's in social work degree, but I also have to be very business minded right? I also have to sit at the table and negotiate partnerships. Um, And so I get that opportunity uh, that I also get to go do public speaking, uh, that I also get to go sit with people who are so generous in supporting our work. And so it allows you to have lots of different opportunities and skill sets. And I think that's good for people to be, you know, varied. So I would encourage Mm -hmm. them to step into the nonprofit space. Well, terrific. Well, it seems like the the work you do at Buckeye Ranch is really important. Uh, we appreciate it as a community, and I appreciate you taking some time to chat with me today. So, thank you so much, Vicky. Thanks, Eleanor. You know, the one thing I forgot to talk about is our 60th anniversary. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So I, I yeah, it's the Buckeye Ranch turns 60 in September, and mm-hmm. so we're so excited to take the next year and celebrate that. Uh, there were a group of women, our service board, who founded. Uh, the Buckeye Ranch uh, 60 years ago. Uh, the headlines on September 10th in the paper uh, was never underestimate the power of a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to use that as our theme this next year um, as we celebrate 60 years of service and 
you know, 60 years more. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And we'll keep an eye out for exciting happenings for y'all then. So great. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Eleanor. You too. Bye-bye. Take care.